what a beautiful day it is today because this indeed is the day that the Lord has made. It is time for us to wake from our slumber. It's time to wake up. My favorite wake-up story is about a child of a mother who is in bed and it's 8.30 at night and his mother's saying, Peter, get up, it's time to go to school. And Peter puts the covers over his head and says, no, I'm not going to school. She said, you have to go to school. She says, no, I'm not. And I'll give you three reasons. One, school is really hard. Two, the kids hate me. And, and three, I hate school. So I'm not going to go. His mother says, young man, you are going to get up, get dressed, and you're going to go to school. And I'll give you three reasons why. One, it's, it's your duty. Two, you're 45 years old. And three, you're the principal. Wake up. Today we are called to wake up to the greatest reality of all. It is the fact. It is the given. And the one who gives it is no one less than the, the author of life. No one less than God, God's self, that, that, that tells us all shall be well. Oh, in, in the end all will be well. There is a resurrection from the dead. There will be eternal life. And, and today... The answer to our prayer is heard. And we all have the same prayer. We all have the same prayer. The prayer is kind of like the prayer of, of the priest uh, who had a, 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 a bird named Polly. And Polly was a good bird, except that she had a foul mouth. And every time somebody walked through the door, Polly would say, Hey, I'm Polly, and I'm an easy girl. Come on over. And the priest was so embarrassed by this that he, he, he didn't know what to do. And one of his buddies says, well, you know, the Baptist minister down the block, he's got two parrots, and all they do all day long is pray. So maybe if you took Polly over to the other place where the parrots are praying, she'll learn how to pray as well. So the priest brings the bird over to the, to the, uh, the, the reading room of the, of the Baptist minister. The two parrots are right there, and sure enough, there's Polly. Hey guys, it's me, Polly. I'm an easy girl. All of a sudden, one of the other parrots wakes up and he says, Luke, wake up. Our prayers have just been answered. <laughs> Our prayers have just been answered. They've been answered. Our work is to dare to believe it. And we all have the same prayer. What do you want? What do you want more than anything else in the world? Well, what is the one thing that Jesus has promised us in abundance? Life. Life. L'chaim, the fullness of life, the joy of life. Uh, my, my favorite philosopher, Antibame, once says, all the world is a banquet, and so many suckers are starving to death. Actually, she didn't say the word suckers, but we are starving in the midst of this glorious, beautiful banquet that has been set before us, and it is the banquet of life. What in the world, and that's what I think we need to look at, is robbing us of the life that we are called to live? Uh, Augustine said it this way, we are to be an alleluia from head to toe. And, uh, we are to radiate the joy and glory of God. And yet there is an enemy that constantly steals that from us. There are enemies of God. There are enemies of love. Uh, the enemies are, are myriad. Anger, 
resentment, judgment, blame. Oh, we are so good these days at blaming. It is an enemy of life. Whenever I'm seeing the problem outside of me, I can't see what's going on inside of me. They, these are uh, some of the enemies, but, but the greatest enemy, ah, the greatest enemy. We are told that all things have to be put at the foot of Christ until all of his enemies are defeated. And the last enemy to be defeated is death. Death. A strange thing to be talking on Easter Sunday morning, which is a day all about life. But by the time we came to some kind of a rationality, reasonableness, understanding, we began to realize that we, we were mortal. We were mortal. The last time I checked, mortality was 100%. And when we are aware of our mortality, we are, we are filled with this angst. And so what do we do? We try to grab life hold on to life, cling to life. And of course, the more we cling, the more we lose it. The more we hold on to our opinions, to our righteousness, to our anger, to our resentment, the more we hold on to these things that make us somehow feed our little ego, that make the, the, the more we lose the one thing that God wants to give us, the fullness of life. And so we are we're given a map. We're given a divine GPS to show us how to get from here to there. How do we get to this fullness of life and avoid the, the pitfalls of the dead ends that keep us from the fullness of life? And here's the ultimate paradox. And it is utterly paradoxical. We would have never figured it out by ourselves. If we want life, and Jesus showed us this way because he's the archegos, he is the pathfinder, he showed us the way through. If we want life, we have to die. That's the path. That, that's the path. We, we have to somehow let go of all the things that are keeping us from being fully alive. When a, when a baby is, is in its mother's womb, it is wonderfully, beautifully, gloriously content. But when the time comes, when the time is ripe, that baby has to die to that womb in order to be born to new life. Death and new life is the pattern. It's called the Paschal pattern. It is a pattern that we see in nature. Unless a seed falls to the earth and dies, it remains just a seed. But if it breaks open, oh, new life springs forth. Oh, a cocoon is just a cocoon, but at its full time, it breaks open and soars and flies. That is the lesson from nature. That is the lesson from nature's God. And it is the lesson for each and every one of us. So we're going to go through the confusion. We're going to go through the dead ends. We're going to go through the disillusionment. Today, how interesting, we've got Peter and the, the, the disciple that Jesus loved, baby John. We, we think it's John. We, we're not quite sure whoever this mysterious disciple is in a foot race. 
And the, and the disciple who, who Jesus loved gets there first. Why? Because love always gets there first. What, is, what does love do? Love waits and bows before the authority. Peter, the authority figure, comes later on, <laughs> like a real authority figure. And he goes in, looks around, and goes, I don't know. <laughs> what, the, what the heck happened here? He doesn't know. He's, he's confused. He's not going to get it for quite some time yet. They still, he still does not understand what in the world is going on. The, the love goes in and looks and says, ha, ah, there's something going on here. They do not yet understand. They are going to understand what? When they see the Lord. Mary Magdalene remains back at the tomb and she's weeping and she thinks he's the gardener and he does not recognize him until he says the word Mary. That's called each and every one of us by name. He knows our name a lot better than I know. And when she hears her name, Rabboni. Oh, and she wants to grab him and hold him because she loves him. He says, I'm going to my father, not, not yet. Oh, oh but, but you've now seen me. And, and she goes back and she testifies, I've seen the Lord. I've seen God. I've seen the face of the divine. I don't think we can dare to believe in the resurrection until we've seen it. We've seen it before. We've heard many stories of people who have near-death experiences, and, and that was a real experience that they have. But we can still see it in the face of a baby, in the face of a newborn. Yesterday, I helped transition a wonderful man who had been away from the church for 30 or 40 years, and, and we said the prayers of commendation. I honestly believe today he is with the Lord, seeing him face to face. We do have to see. We do have to see. We see with the eyes of the heart. The eyes of the heart only have themselves opened when we are willing to walk the path. So today we are walking the path. The path has already been laid out for us. As I said last night at the vigil, the path is the path of, of our baptism. The, the path of the, of the promises that were made for us when we were children, that when we made when we were young adults as, as confirmandi. It is the path that rejects the things that are passing away and holds on to the things that last forever. We then bless this baptismal fount, this, this new water of life. And today we are going to renew our own baptismal promises, and I'm going to invite you then to, to, to enter the parade, to enter the parade of life that endures the pain, the suffering, the loss, the hurt, the dead ends, the detours of life, but if we stay on the path, will always lead to the fullness of life. Carrying the cross is our job, I'm sorry. Resurrection, eh, that's God's work. It's God's work. And he promises us that if we faithfully carry that cross, the resurrection is ours. And we become an alleluia from head to toe. Therefore, Church of God, if you are ready now to renew your own baptismal promises, I ask that you stand. And that we reject and accept. That we reject all that is keeping us from being the people we are called to be. The fullness of the other Christ 
we are the body of Christ in space and time. 2,000 years ago, a historical event happened. It was the resurrection of Jesus the Christ from the dead. He's not the only one who rises from the dead. It is a corporate mystery. And we are part of that mystery today. We are walking in his stead. We are doing his work. So therefore, we too have to renounce. And then we do have to accept. We have to embrace and dare to believe that someone is carrying us and showing us the way to the fullness of life. Therefore, Church of God, I ask you all, do you reject Satan? I do. In all his works. In all his empty promises. Now, do you believe in a merciful, loving creator who ate point to 13.8 billion years ago, loved so much that a great bang was created and had us in mind from the beginning, who not only has created us, but sustains us in every breath that we take. This is a God of love, a God of mercy. We call him mother, we call him father, we call him Yahweh, we call him God. Do you believe in God? In the fullness of time, this God, this Logos, this word that this God spoke, came down from heaven and took on flesh, became one with us. That means he took on our mortality, our doubts, our fears, our anxieties, everything it means to be human. And he took on our death, because that's how we are defined as mortals. But he is also love. Love cannot die. Love lives forever. His name is Jesus. He died and he rose and he showed us the way. And therefore, Church of God, I ask you, do you believe in our Lord Jesus Christ? Finally, do you believe on that first Pentecost when we were all afraid and hidden in the upper room, that God sent down something to be with us forever. It is God's very stuff. It's God's forgiveness. It is the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive the world, to transform our lives. The Spirit promises to guide us on our path if we yield to the Spirit, if we dare to believe in the Spirit that it is guiding us. Because in the economy of God, nothing is wasted. Nothing. Therefore, Church of God, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? This is our faith. This is the faith of the Church. We are proud to profess it in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.